Hemshechaim Beis, Volume One. We finished Chapter Eighty, so we're up to Chapter Eighty-One, which is Page Kufrun Beis One Fifty-Two. We are in the middle of Discourse Number Twenty-One. The Sukkot Teshvu, and the theme, which I shall summarize right now, and also review this last Chapter Eighty which, uh, if you recall, we had several uh, questions and lack of clarity, but I believe I've gotten the clarity now, is the discussion is transcendence. On the language of Kabbalah and Hasidus, makif, seviv, eagle, they all mean the same idea. So basically, I am based, as I've summarized several times, is primary focus is the interface. The interface between existence and the divine. The interface between the finite and the infinite. The interface that allows us to retain our individuality while we connect to something that's beyond mortal boundaries. That's the great challenge of Kabbalah Chassidus in general. Ayin Beis particularly addresses that issue. And the Ayin Beis, we're up to chapter 80, but the first chapter began with the beginning of the whole Hamshel discusses the interface on the first level. It's called Ratzon or Keser, which is the desire for anything to have a connection to something else, any interface, the first step of an interface is a desire. That the one who is desiring has to desire and have an interest in something outside of himself. If there's no interest, if there's no desire, there's, there's no inclination, and being drawn to something, you don't have any connection. Atmos, of course, the essence of the divine does not need anything. So, so being they created a, created a reality we wanted to have a relationship with, and a reality where Dirabatahtenim wanted to have a dwelling place, a home in this material existence. So the first step for us to have a relationship is that there be a desire. Now of course God can do anything he wishes, but then there would be no structure, there'd be no way to have a relationship. So the relationship is that the first source, it's called the etzem, desires existence. That's Kesser. But to understand that the Rebbe Rashab went for fifty six chapters and explained, before we discuss the desire, let's go back to, let's discuss the structure of existence. What is the structure like? And he defined the structure of existence as being defined by the word erpnimi, which means internal energy or integrated energy. We're integrated circuits. Let's put it this way. What does an integrated circuit mean? That everything in this universe is made up of a distinct identity. That's one of the key principles before any point of departure is that everything has a distinct personality, a distinct identity. That identity, whether it's intelligence, whether it's emotional, whether it's a physical parameters, is defined by, as he put it, er and keli. Energy and container. That's what makes its identity an identity. Using the classic example of the human being, for my flesh I behold the divine, that each of our, that our body is made up of distinct organs and parts, and each one has its role. But its role consists of a container. Take the eyeball as the container. The power of sight is the energy. The brain is the container. The mind, intelligence, is the energy. The heart, emotions, and the heart. Everything in this world consists of a container, which is its so-called, you can say its form and its function. Its inner and its outer. Its body and its soul. Letters on a page are containers. The ideas they convey are the energy. There's nothing in existence that doesn't have these two elements. Even an inanimate stone 
you have the physical properties of the stone, the mechanics, but then you have the stone, its personality. It has a personality. Not the way necessarily humans call personality, but it's a personality. It's defined by things. Stones can be used for certain sub- the substance, for can build certain things. Some things stones are not good for. And the same thing with every distinct element. So the structure of existence, the structure by definition, as he made it, as he explained, is mylomata. Mylomata means there's a hierarchy, there's a distinction. And he explained at length where this distinction is rooted in the divine, how it evolved from, from, the, from, a, from the essence of the divine, which has no structure, how does structure emerge. He explained that it's part of the ten hidden spheres, which is how God envisions a structure. It's like, think of it, an infinite uh, an artist that, can, that is beyond even art and can create infinite artistic uh, presentations, chooses to create one. So that is, is, that's where it's rooted from, rooted in, and how that evolved. He also discussed at length the meaning of hierarchy and structure. That what distinguishes one level from the next is not just quantity, that one has more energy than another, but they also have qualitative difference. There's a fundamental difference between, let's say, Chachma and Bina. Between conceiving an idea and comprehending an idea. And um, the same is throughout the entire structure. After explaining 56 chapters of the structure, he then went on to discuss and move over to transcendence. And transcendence is now, once we know the structure, the purpose, and the, the structure which is the purpose of existence, now we talk about how do you transcend the structure. He said no system can change itself from within. So now we go back to desire, the desire for the structure. The desire for the structure is the first interface that represents the divine that God wants this structure. That desire creates the first connection, but then there's the structure, and so there's beyond the structure. This is the difference between Arpnimi and Armakiv. Or Seviv and Mamale. Or Igulim and Yeshur. Circles and lines. The Kav, the stream of light, the ray of light, defines structure. There's, there's a, a line which has higher and lower, has a hierarchy. The circles, or the Makiv, being like a circle, it's all encompassing, where there's no distinctions. And that has been the discussion. After chapter 56, he begins to discuss the comparison of transcendence to imminence. Discusses that transcendence also has a relationship with imminence and is commensurate to it. The impact of transcendence on imminence, the different impact of the different transcendent levels, and asks the question, of course, so what if this transcendence is one all equalizing force as opposed to the structure? How do we have different levels? Like, for example, the Makiv Kloli the general encompassing, the macrocosmic encompassing force of Tahiri Allah, the higher shining, the higher purity before the Tzimtzum, the big circle. Or the lower, the lower Makif Kloli, which is Ak, Adam Kadma Tahir the lower purity. And explain that each one has, because they relate to a part of existence, they, 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 they each one have their relationship, but those two are very all-encompassing, so they have an impact on the imminent levels. And then he moved on to the impact of Atsilas and Bria, Yitzir, and Asiyah, which was all hinted to in Baruch Sha'amar and Birchus Yetzer. We said, and all the other levels that he spoke, Tzur, Mizgov, and Tzur, Remogin, and Mizgov, Badenu, how each of those transcendent levels impact existence. But then, after 20 chapters of discussing transcendence and imminence, he went back. And said that, however, this is chapter 79. However, with all this, 
we still have to remember transcendence is still apart and, and separate and apart from existence. It's true it has an impact. It's true that it has a relationship. But fundamentally, the transcendent level is still reflecting the desire of the divine. It's not focusing on the structure. The structure is defined by the energy that manifests inside the structure. So if you talk about the messenger of the soul that says, let's say, eyesight in your eyes, that's a structure. If you're talking about the desire to see, which is already a reflection of the soul's intent, or in the case of, uh, of the divine, the divine intent, there there's a far more amorphous um, distinction, basically meaning there is really no distinction. They fundamentally, qualitatively, all these levels of transcendence are all reflective of one desire. Yet they have distinction in how they manifest themselves. <coughs> this is in chapter 79. <clears throat> they're mohus echad, as he says. They're one personality. They're one qualitative entity. And that's what's called that the desires, they all evolve from one another, meaning they all have their own path, they have their own express lane, their own uh, uh, their own um, uh, separate path from the path that defines the structure of existence. In chapter 80, he began, Amnon, we still have to understand, don't we find ten spheres in the Gulen? Before he was discussing how the Makifim are different, the Makif the desire for, let's say, for this part of the structure called Atsilus, or the desire for the part of the structure called Bria, there, yes, there's a desire for that part, part of the structure, but all the desires are one. When you want to build a home, your main goal is, I want to have a home. However, to have a home, you, since I want a structure, so each part of the structure has its particular desire. But if you ask desire itself, all the desires are connected to that general desire. They don't, they're not separate from. If you ask the plumbers and the electricians and the, 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 the detail, the builders, they don't even know about the desire. They don't even know why, why you're building. All they know is what they have to do. They have to put the pipes in place. They have to build, this one has to build the living room. This is building the dining room. Each of them is a messenger only for their particular role. But if you ask the desire, so-called the department head of each, depart, of each section, that desire, they're all linked together. So that's understood. So there the desires qualitatively are one entity, yet... Each of them is now focusing on the particular part of the structure that they relate to, and they have their commensurate impact, as we spoke, the impact of the different impact of Tehiri laws on the mysterious nefesh of the body, fasting, Yom Kippur. The, the impact of Ak is on the mysterious nefesh of the soul, and its faith and dedication. The impact of Atsilis is on the, is on the general lo, the hidden love and... Um, Rusa Deliba, the desire of the heart, the thoughts of chuba that come into a person spontaneously. And then the impact of the three makifim of Briyat Sirasi, each one focuses on three different types of souls. The souls that are more involved in action, the souls more involved with emotion, the souls more involved with intellect. So that's understood. But now the question is, goes deeper. We find in the gulim themselves, in the circles, in the transcendent desire itself, spheres. There are ten spheres in each. We're not just talking about that there, that there are many little levels of desires, one for Atsilas, one for Bria. We're saying the spheres themselves have ten levels. So how does that reconcile with the fact that desire or transcendence qualitatively does not have differences and distinctions? That's the question in chapter 80.
I just don't want it to disturb. Okay. Now I looked around for the sources and I see this question actually is a question from the Rebbe Marash. And interestingly, let me first sum up the chapter 80 and you'll see where I'm going with this in a moment. So to answer this question, we see now that there are distinctions, there are ten spheres in the Igulim. And it's clear from the Yitzchayim, as he says, that the Igul HaKesson, the Igul HaChachman, Igul HaBina. So now we're not just talking a general desire, there are actually desires for each, there's an Igul, there's an encompassing transcendent energy for each particular sphere. So here we suddenly see that there is structure, not only in the imminent energy, there's also structure in the, in the transcendent energy. So this seems to contradict, as he says, that which is discussed before, that, that the makif, in the transcendent, there's no ischalkus. It's ain't safe mamish. Then he goes even further. It's Chaim there, it says, that the gulim themselves have a higher level and a lower level. Not only are they ten spheres, but there's an upper part of an eagle, there's a upper part of the circle, and there's a lower part. I'm sorry, he says that later. Let's go back. Let me retract that. In Eitzchayim, he goes further and says, not only do the spheres have, do, do the gulim, do the transcendent energies have ten spheres, but there's also a hierarchy. And the Kesar of, let's say, the eagle of Kesar, surrounds the eagle of Chochmah, and it's superior to it. And he brings that here, for example, in the makifim, the higher the makif, the more outside it is, the higher it is. In primi, it's the other way around. The more internal it is, the deeper and higher level it is. So we see here again structure. And so he said, however, he says, it's not a contradiction. Why is it not a contradiction? Because all these, all these elements of structure in the in ksarim, in the, in the crowns, or the makifim, in the circles, in the transcendent, Are, their distinctions are only quantitative, meaning they don't fundament, they're not fundamental distinctions. They're just a measure of how much of that transcendent energy is revealing itself. But all these transcendent levels are fundamentally qualitatively of the same personality. In other words, he's using the same explanation he used earlier, even here as well. But here, you need to focus on it even stronger because, in other words, the ten spheres of the Igulim are only their revelation. Let me use exact language. You say something is a higher circle, lower circle. It doesn't mean they're fundamentally different levels and different personalities. It's only in their revelation and their and their reflection and their energy level that in Eagle Elyon, in a higher circle, you have more intense energy. And that's why it surrounds the lower level. But in the lower Eagle, you have less energy. That's the key thing that he's saying here. And he says, it's different than imminent energy. In imminent energy, the structure defines the entity itself. Chach, Mabina, Chesed, Gvur, like we spoke about the distinction of existence. Let's take a stone. The mineral world, the vegetable world, and animal world, and, and human world. 
the four kingdoms, are not four different levels of revelation. It's not like a stone is a little less energy than a man. It's not correct. It's they're fundamentally four different realities. And you can go through the all of existence and you'll find they're all fundamentally, qualitatively, not quantitatively. It's not like, for example, that, you know, let's say um, a stream of consciousness. You're conveying an idea. Conveying an idea. One idea you convey to several students. One student you give them more of the idea. Another student you give a little less. There it's qualitative. There it's the same idea. For a beginner student, you'll give more examples. For an advanced student, you'll give less examples. So there's only the only change is not a fundamental one. The change is in qual- quantity of how much energy you're flow- is flowing. But for example, an idea compared to emotions, or an idea compared to throwing a stone, are two different qualitative forces. That does not exist. In the, that structure does not exist in the in the makif level, transcendent level. So there is structure. But the structure in the makif level is only revelation part. Fundamentally, it's all one entity. It's one desire that reflects and expresses itself in different levels in different ways. And that's the meaning of the ten spheres. So even though we use the word ten spheres, the ten spheres of imminence are defined by structure and fundamental distinction between one sphere and the next. The ten spheres in transcendence is one qualitative transcendence with ten different types of reflections. And revelations. But not that there are fundamental differences between one and the next. So it's a completely different way of looking at the same spheres. Now, was the desire to use Chachma, the desire to use Bina, the desire to write, the desire to throw a stone, the desire to walk. Yes, it manifests different levels of energy are invested, but it's fundamentally one desire. And the real distinction takes place on the structural imminent level. How much energy you're going to invest in, 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 let's say, throwing a stone, as opposed to how much energy, how much intelligence you're going to invest in throwing a stone, to how much intelligence you invest in writing a, a thesis, is not on the desire level. It's on the it's on the action level. So the person, let's say, has a desire for a beautiful palace, a home. In this home, he wants to have a living a living room, a dining room. In one room, he wants to have a very um, of exquisite. Uh, the exquisite um, uh, um, what do I want to say engravings in the walls. So of course he's going to hire different people for different rooms to build a simple room that's not that complicated. Doesn't require the same type of uh, craftsman as with a room that needs to have a whole design. But if he has the desire, the desire is the same. The des- here I want to have a simple room. Here I want to have a complex room. And especially if he has a desire for the whole thing, the desires are all part of one picture. Well, I want to have a home. That home has many rooms in it. So, from the so structure is defined by imminent spheres. The imminent spheres, eris primim, the energy of the imminent spheres. The, the the transcendent is not defined by the ten spheres. The ten spheres are ten manifestations of it in different revealed ways. That's what he says. Now, now he goes on. And says a beemes. So the answer that's the answer to the question. Then he says beemes. Every eagle has in it itself also a higher and lower. So we've determined so far structure in the, in transcendent levels. Number one is that each world has its transcendent encompassing energy. Number two that each that the gulim themselves in each world have ten spheres. But we said they're not. They don't they define the structure of the transcendent because they're not. 
the transcendence is, is fundamentally one transcendent level, just ten different re- types of revelations, levels of revelation in, quali- in quantity, not quality. And now he's saying that each eagle itself, not just the igulim, the ten s- circles are ten, one inside the next, each eagle has a higher and a lower level. There's the top of the eagle and there's the bottom of the eagle. And here he brings, and this is from a mimer that uh, was said in Tishrei, apparently, Tovkov Samarvov from the Alter Rebbe. He explaining that he's explaining it's called the Bir Sheni of the Mimer Kiya Mitzvah Tovkov Samarvov. Kiya Mitzvah Hazes is the pasuk that, that this, this Mitzvah is not rochik. It's not distant from you. It's not in the heavens. It's not across a white sea. Kikar Velecha Dover Ma'id. So the Alter Rebbe explained this in the year Tovkov Samachei Nitzavim. That's where the pasuk is. But then he explained it. That's printed in Lukut And in Tishrei, the next year, meaning a few weeks later, clearly maybe a week or two later, he explained the second explanation. And this is printed in Eira Terah and the Rebbe Marash. And there they bring that there's two, that there's the Makif itself has an alien and a Tachna, has a higher part and a lower part. And it's brought regarding the repair of blemishes, Pagamim, that come due to sin and due to iniquities. So he explains there's two things that a blemish does. When someone behaves inappropriately, two things happen. One is, there's a draining of the energy, the positive energy that could have been there and now has been removed. Siluka'er. And the second is, as a result of that, the negative forces, the infections, it's called the spiritual bacteria, have more to... uh, have more to uh, feast upon because there's less resistance, more vulnerability. So you have two problems now. In general, let's take an example. In a healthy human being, they have, we have many, many defense mechanisms that don't allow infections to enter into our system. So we have our hair, we have the outer layers of the skin, which captures a lot of the dust and a lot of the bacteria that otherwise could, could God forbid, penetrate. What happens when there's a cut, or there's some type of puncture or some wound? Then a human being, then a person is more prone to infection. Why? Because the energy is not flowing quite the same way. So it's 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 it's, it's been somewhat drained. It's like there's no blood. The blood flow isn't as strong. Circulation is weak. And and therefore there's also a result. As a result, bacteria begin to gather there. It's called yanikas hachitzenim. The outer forces are able to wean. And uh, nurse themselves. So this is so you need to repair both these elements. So he says, how do you repair both of them? So spiritually, the same thing. They have these two elements. When a person does something wrong to another, besides the, so number one is that the positive energy that should have been flowing has now been drained, and number two is that there's a negative that begins to uh, manifest and begins to uh, fester. Okay. So the first thing is you got to get rid of the negative. The negative, now, bacteria, like he says, has a certain amount of energy that they get. But they don't get an extra amount. Here now they're getting an abundant amount, so they're getting stronger and stronger. So he says that the two, the, the, the two ways to do this is comes from Armakiv, the transcendent energy. Now when you need to heal somebody, you cannot just suffice with what energy you had yesterday. What happens when there's a real wound? where there's a real infection, you can't just say, you know what, let's just go back to normal. You're not, you're not normal. You need now have an infusion of power. You need an intervention. 
It may be through medication or maybe through physical surgery or something. You need to do something to repair. So that's called Er Makif. In a general conventional day-to-day life when there was no blemish and no wound, it's sufficient imminent energy. The energy that the circulation of your body will protect you. But where there's a part of a person's body gets wounded or hurt, God forbid, now you can't just rely on the regular flow of imminent energy. You need an air makif. You need the transcendent forces of the soul come in now to come in to help compensate. And they have two impacts. One is to battle the infection. And this comes from the higher level of the circle of the makif. The higher part, because in order to go down to battle the, the negative, you need a lot of energy. So the higher part of the map that comes to battle and to push them away, the bacteria in other words, and especially you want to also take away from them the energy they've been now eating off and feasting upon during this time they've been festering. So you need to have more power, like he's the example. You're not enough now to have a little flame. Now you need to have the avuka. You need to have a powerful torch that will that will that will draw the energy back into it. And the second thing is, it brings back the flow of life, the healthy flow of life. So, let's say, for example, you'll see. First, you'll clean out the wound. You use antiseptic. You use all kinds of stuff, powerful stuff, to get rid of the infection. That needs a very powerful force. That's like the higher part of the armakif. And then, once it's stabilized. Now, the armakiv is either you bandage the wound or whatever it may be to give it ability to re, to heal. And that's the lower part of the makiv that brings back the energy that was drained from it. The blood flow or the nerves or whatever it was that, that, that was damaged. And then when, once you bring it back to that place, everything goes back to normal. So the makifim might come in for this particular uh, effort on this level. So we see from this that the eagle has a higher part and a lower part. But this is not this is part of the explanation. But the higher and lower is again in revelation. It's not in quality. You say higher makif, it's more energy of the makif you need to clean out the infection. And less energy of the makif to bring back the energy, the areas in the caliph. The imminent energy should be back functioning properly. But there's no fundamental qualitative difference between these two makifim. It's one makif that has my lamata. Now, before we continue, here is what I wanted to say before about the Reb Maraj. The Reb Maraj brings this whole idea of these two levels of makif, these two, the higher and lower level of makif. And this is brought, like I said, it's a mimer from the Alter Rebbe. The Tzamech Tzedek writes up in Eretz Yisrael, the Rebbe Rashab in Tafresh Chav Zayin in Tishrei, in the year 19, uh, what would be, that would be 5627, or the equivalent would be the Tishrei of, uh, that would have been uh, the, uh, the 1826. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry, 1866. 1866. And then again, in Tafresh Lamed he actually said four discourses that year, starting with Tzavim, where he elaborates a lot on this t- subject. Tofre Islam would be 1877, 1878, 1877. That Tishrei, he also spoke about this at length. And, and there, after he speaks about this higher and lower part of the Makif, the one that gets rid of the negative forces, and the other one that 
cleans away the infection. Another one that brings back the energy, the imminent energy. He says, he asks the question, but we know that in Nigulim, they're no higher and lower. So basically, here, the question begins with the question, and then he brings this idea. There, he begins the idea and asks this question, and he actually gives three answers. I'm going to write something up to compare it. There's three answers that he gives, and I think the Rebbe Rashab goes a lot further, obviously. The three answers he gives is, number one is, since the Igulim come from the Kav, so the Kav causes them to have some primi. Number two, they're like garments. A garment is a makif, but a garment is commensurate to the part of the body that it's dressing up, if you wear a jacket or a shirt and so on. And the third thing he says there is that um, that, uh, that, that, the, that, the, that the makifim themselves, I'm trying to remember what was the third thing that he says, the igulim themselves... Not sure what he says, the third thing. I'll get back to it. But the Rebbe Rashab, however, is deriving from all of this that ultimately these are all quantitative differences. And then he continues in this chapter. And and we should know that the primary hierarchy of structure is not defined by quantity, it's defined by quality. That's why I go back to what I said earlier. That structure, the structure of the imminent structure of existence is not quantitative difference. It's qualitative difference. One level is qualitatively different than the other. And this is what the second half of chapter 80, he elaborates that the primary thing of structure and hierarchy is not in quantity. And he goes on and says, as we discussed earlier, even in the imminent energy, the primary structure is not the quantity, the difference between Chachm and Bina, but the quality. And here he goes on to explain and he's discussing now, he goes back to imminent energy to explain that hierarchy and structure is primarily qualitative and not quantitative. Which would mean that in the transcendent level, there is really no structure. Because the transcendent level has no qualitative differences. It only has quantitative differences. And to explain this, he goes back to Chach Membina. The Chach Membina have the quantitative difference. Bina can reach close to the level of Chach Because Chach is the concept. And Bina is the comprehension. Obviously, they're in the world of Seichel, they're quantitative. But then there's an element, and the, and the Bina, therefore, can even reach a place of getting to the summary of Bina, at the conclusion, you can get even to a point of, of a type of um, resonance. The word that he uses here... Uh, you can get to close to a point in the Seichel part. However, when you talk about the qualitative difference, where Chochmah is seeing something, it's the conviction, the Hanukkah, the Riyah, the seeing something, there, Bina can never reach. No matter how refined the Bina will be, it's a different dimension. It's a different qualitative difference. And even when Bina comes to a certain recognition of truth and resonance, it's because it's no longer Bina now. It's, it's been able to comprehend something that's beyond its personality, its own personality. And it adds that even when Primis Bina, Primis Atik, even when the deeper part of Bina reaches the deepest parts, the essence of it, 
they're still they're still fundamentally distinct from chachma. So when you talk about quantity, that's where they can become have a relationship and very commensurate relationship with each other. When you talk quality, they're fundamentally different. And that's what makes their structure so fundamental. So we see from this that quantity does not define hierarchy. What defines the hierarchy and the structure is the qualitative difference. And Makiv doesn't have that. In chapter 81, he continues where he left off. He's talking still all about imminent before he goes back to Makiv. So there's a long discussion now that began in chapter 80 that continues on in chapter 81, all to understand how structure is defined by quality, not by quantity. And in transcendence, the distinction of the spheres is quantitative, not qualitative. In imminence, the distinction of the spheres is quantitative and qualitative, which is why they are two different levels completely. So makifim are completely not structured like imminences. So now we'll continue chapter 81. Any questions? Okay. Bottom of page Kufnum Beis. Vizehu and this is what it says in Eitz Chaim, and he's going back to Eitz Chaim that he used much earlier, if you recall the chapters. He used this when he was speaking about the distinction of imminent energy. Remember, he said that in Chachma the energy radiates like close, closely, in Bina distant, in Zah like through a window, and in Malchus like through a hole, through a wormhole. So he's going back to that this discussion. That discussion goes back, let's see here, how many chapters? Quite a number of chapters. We're talking now all the way back to chapter 37 through 43. Okay, just to show you how he's now connecting it all. Yeah, 37 through 43. So now he says, and this is what it says in Eitzchayim. The Eitzchayim referred to the difference between the different types of revelations in Atzillus and the revelation from Atzillus to Bri Yitzir and Asiya. Now we're talking imminent. The infinite divine energy radiates in Keser and Chachma closely, in close proximity. And the Midas of Zazer Ampin, like through a window. And the Malchus is like through a hole. Which he didn't really discuss earlier, just briefly, or he did discuss it to some extent. From Matzilis Labria through a curtain. So it's really a muscle, an example of how energy can radiate from one level to the next. But he's going to point out, obviously, that all this is quantity, not quality. Meaning that there's just a question where you have the same, let's say, sunlight. Let's take the example, sunlight. So sunlight is shining outside, outside of the house. It's unbridled, unfettered, okay? Once it's shining into a house, you already now have the limits. For example, um, well, before that, this first, the sun itself can be something closer to the sunlight, something more distant from, sun, from the sun. Like we say, let's say, Winter and summer, or uh, or day and night. Then you have the sun shining, but you're inside a house and it's coming through a window. You're right there. You have a a limited flow. Then you could have it come through a little peep, a peephole, 
So you have a little sun coming through, but it's far more less less light. And then you have the sun coming through a curtained, a a a, a shrouded window, or a shroud, or, or any shroud. So now it's also the light is coming through, but now another shroud is blocking it all. These are all examples from Eitz Chaim how the light and the divine energy manifests in different levels. This was discussed earlier. And he said there that it's based on two things. One is quantity, more and less, and then there's quality. Chochm and Bina, fundamentally different. But when you use this example itself, this example itself, as he's going to explain, is a quantitative example, not a qualitative one. Because you're not talking about the difference, you're talking about how the light is being blocked by different uh, blockages, but it's the same light. So he goes up and says like this. The the difference between one dimension and the other in this example, in Eitzchayim, who the madrega da atzilus, that the level of atzilus, everything is the same qualitative energy. Only thing, it's in a state of diminishment. Therefore, even in the level of malchus, where the energy comes only like through a hole, and a state of very, very intense, increased diminishment, nevertheless, because it's the same personality, the same identity, the same quant, quantit, qualitative en- light, energy, you, potentially you can widen the hole, and the energy should become manifest, the light, just like it is through a window. In other words, there's no fundamental... Uh, fundamental um, uh, what's the world? Fundamental difference between malchus. When you say the light is going through a hole, the hole is just smaller. But technically, you can widen the hole. You can, you know, you can broaden it, and then it becomes a window, and then you're getting more light. Like for example, the light of the sun, sunlight that that shines through a hole. Being that this is the fundamental qualitative personality of the sunlight that's radiating through the hole, you can you can widen it, expand it, that it should be just like a window. But now he goes on. But when the transmission is like through a, through a shroud, through a curtain, Even if you will, then, even if you will intensify the light from the other side of the curtain, nevertheless, the revelation that will be on this side of the curtain will still be only a Ershel Tulda Levad. Ershel Tulda means, Tulda means like a child. Literally, Tulda means in, in, in Torah when you have, let's say in Gemara, you talk about Ovis Malachas and Tuldas. You have the primary types of work that are pro- pro- prohibited on Shabbos, and you have tuldas, these are um, derivatives. It's a derivative, it's like a secondary dimension. So when you say ovis, you say parents, tuldas are children. What it means, in, in, in intellectually, it means air itself is the parent child, the, the original energy. Tarasol tulda means an energy that's coming as a byproduct. It's coming as a, like a, an, a second bounce, so to speak. We'll see where he's going with this. So, but, so when you talk about a hole in Malchus, in Atzilus itself, then it's just a matter of quantity. You widen the hole, you get more energy. But when you talk about 
after behind the curtain here, even if you intensify. See, I'm not clear why he's saying this. You'd think the example would be take away the curtain and you get the energy. But clearly the curtain is necessary for its survival. So I'm not sure. Let's see where he's going with this. Because he's saying, even if you intensify the light on the other side of the curtain, you still do not get the light that's there on that side, on this side of the curtain. See, by Nokov, all that all that's missing is it's the same light. It's just diminished in the sun, let's say. With a curtain, what you're also getting is a shift. The light is now has been uh, what's it called diffused, right? Due to the curtain. Let's see where he's going. Where Indian who and the Indian this is mishum degam bechinus mitayir yes ba behelam bechinus ribayir. The reason for this is because even in the diminished state of light of energy, has concealed has the intense energy. Takshe begiliu bechinus mitayir. Shazay yochel atachtin lekabel. Except in a revealed way, you only have the diminished state because that's what the, the lower entity can receive. In other words, the reason that in Malchus, the reason that you, the light cannot enter there, not because fundamentally you don't have the capacity for that light, it's just that right now that, that state of being that you're in can only receive a diminished state of light. But within there, you still have the intense light within there. He's going to give the example. Like the transmission of an idea. From a teacher to a student, from a transmitter to a recipient, that which comes in a revealed way to the recipient, is only the outer part of intelligence. Because he cannot, at this stage, I'm adding, he cannot receive that. If the teacher would give him the whole primis, the inner wisdom of this idea, he wouldn't be able to receive it. But in truth, even while the teacher is giving him that diminished flow, within it lies the, the inner dimension of the seichel, the inner meaning of it. Gamkein. Within there lies the primis seichel gamkein. And there is also the, the inner seichel, intelligence. And that's the Indian where it says that a person should always teach a student in, with, in brevity, in brief. That does not mean, the intention of that is not that he should not transmit intelligence complete. Rather, it should be in a form of muat, that the little contains the much. Muat machzakamarubah is an expression that in the little, in the, in the diminished you have, it contains much. So you say it in short in order for him to be able to receive it. If you are going to elaborate too long, you're going to overwhelm him. So the key is the wisdom of a good teacher is that he takes a powerful idea and packs it into a short expression. Short is long. That's what it says, you should read B'Kitzur. Meaning that in this diminished state, concealed has all, that, all the wisdom that's going to come later. That will emerge in time. Only, rather, only that which is revealed to the recipient is only the outer dimension alone. And this is the meaning. When we say a person reaches, he's able to reach, understand the real das, the real knowledge of his teacher after 40 years. What does this mean? What does this mean? 
Because through his exertion afterwards, over these 40 years, in the Seichel and the intelligence that was transmitted to him, he reaches its inner kavan, its inner intention. And that took 40 years. That means it was there. It doesn't mean after 40 years of sitting with the same teacher, now that one day he's going to wake up. The idea that he learned 40 years ago had within it all. But it took the 40 years for him to realize it. The same thing is with the, the quantitative difference. The intensity and the diminishment. Meaning the more and less. Means when something is diminished, is only that revealed state radiates only the outer level and in the form of tzimtzum, in a concealed state. But hidden, but within it, hidden is also the primis is there. He's going, now this was the marshal he gave, the example of a teacher and a student. But Sarah Lamer. We'll get back to the Masach. I'm not sure why he used that. I think it was just really to explain how Otola Natsilis. Outside of Atsilis, there is a qualitative, a quantit, there's a qualitative jump. I think that's what he's trying to say. But we'll get back to it. I, I'll, I, I know. I, I keep it in mind. Right now, he's still explaining quantitative jumps. The curtain is, I think, because he wants to say that. Remember that that the hierarchy. Mata, he's not talking on the quantitative level. Remember, even in Atsilis, you also have a qualitative difference between Malchus and Chachm and Bina. Yeah, but he's not talking about that. He's talking about the quantitative. He's talking to Eitz Chaim right now. When Eitz Chaim says that the light shines in Atsilis, differences between like a close, distant, a window and a hole, it's the same qualitative light with different quantitative differences. In Bria, in Bia, it's a qualitative jump because of the curtain. That's what it appears he's saying. But I, but he's still sticking right now. He's speaking about the quantitative differences. The thing is noteworthy, though. You, you can see he's calling the difference between quantitative and real, different between the dynamics and the sense. That's also quantity from his point of view. Right. No, no, no. One second. Primis chetzenis could be, it just means it's the same quality. That's the point. The quality is there even when you're getting a diminished form of it. That's the point. The same quality. He proved it with the fact that after 40 years, you come to it. So that's a primius. Now, primius means when a teacher, a good teacher, is conveying an idea qualitatively, whether he gives it in a diminished form or in an intense form, it's qualitatively the same idea. That's what the primius means. What you're getting is only a diminished form of it. That's what he's saying. He doesn't say superficial. He says a beginner student who's getting only a small diminished form of it, within that diminished form, is, everything is there. It's all there. It's all packed in the ideas, all there. You will not need a new dimension of intelligence to get there. You just have to grow as you, as you assimilate it. We have to say the same is also with intelligence and emotions. That even though emotions are separate in their substance and in their sense of self, their ego, 
from Meichem. Like we learned earlier, chapter 33, that the whole union of Midas, emotions, is sensing yourself. What's in it for me? My feel. I feel myself. I feel my needs. So they're fundamentally different than Meichen and Midas. That's why, just from the revelation of Meichen itself, mind itself, you're not going to have the birth of, of emotions. Commission is parallel, as we discussed earlier. So that's regarding their qualitative difference. Nevertheless, there's another relationship they have on the quantitative, revealed level. You have to say that within the emotions and concealed, they have within them also the revelation that's there in the intellect. Because the emotion comes. And is born from the contemplation, specifically from the contemplation. This is the union of ava, love, rational love. We're not talking about now natural love that a parent has to a child. We're talking about a love that's born out of intelligence. So this is rational love. Shalula is bondness. Without the meditation, without the contemplation, there would not have been this love. And through this contemplation, specifically, explicitly through this contemplation, the love was born. Even, so therefore, even though this emotion comes after the concealment of the energy of the intelligence, that's because while, while during the revelation of intelligence, there's not capable yet to have that sensation, that sense, that feeling of emotions. Because because Meichen is focused on the idea itself. It's not about whether it's good for me or not. If you remember, he discussed there, it does, when you think of an idea, you're not thinking, is this good for me? It's not good for me. And after the, the, the intensity of the energy of the mind is concealed, then you come to feeling the Midas and saying, ah, oh, this is good for me. Nevertheless, the emotions have within them from the energy of the mind, of intellect. Being, since this is the cause for the emotion. I mean, he's elaborating here to show how the structure of imminence of Erpnimi is fundamentally different than the structure of Makiv. So he's saying that even though we have fundamental different levels, nevertheless, there is something of quantity that is constantly flowing back and forth there. And that they have much more a relationship. I think what he's also coming to lead to is even the qualitative difference that exists in the imminent is going is not quite like the qualitative jump in the makifim. That I think is also what he's leading to. In other words, the first thing what he stated was that the makif is only a matter of quantity, more energy, less energy. Whereas in imminent, the spheres are fundamentally different than one another. And quantity is not the main def- definition of their hierarchy. He's now elaborating how quantity is not the main definition, but he's also explaining how these imminent energies require this quantity, and they all have within, even when they're in a lower state, they have fundamentally they're part of that that state as well. In other words, there's some type of relationship here between quantity and quality, and the imminent level. We'll see where it goes.
But that's clearly what he's saying here, because he's focusing here not just that it's an external. You see clearly he's made, he wants to make a strong case how this quantitative difference is so much part of the imminent structure. In other words, so in other words, the distinction between the structure of imminence and structure of, of transcendence would be the following. The ten spheres in transcendence don't have altogether any qualitative difference. They're all at one level. But in quantity, there's a small difference. Well, there's distinctions. In imminent energy, there too, the fundamental structure is their qualitative difference. But quantity plays a very big role. Because the quantity is also very much part of how they grow and they develop with each other. In other words, in makifim, we're going to come to discover the makif of, let's say, of keser. Er of keser, makif, of esospheres of igulim. Its quantitative difference is relevant, like he said, because it's like the, 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 the higher part of the makif, the lower part of the makif. But it's not as, it doesn't play such an important role in, the, in how these entities emerge. Where in the Be'er Primi, both the quantity and quality are very necessary. So we have two elements here of, of really answering the question. Oh, the third reason that Marash, Rabbi Marash gave the difference of Igulim was that you could say that in Igulim there's two levels. There's how they are beyond existence and there's how they and how they are focused around the thing that they encompass. In other words, the second reason he gave was that the main distinction between the Gulim is only not because of them, because of what they're encompassing. And the third explanation he's saying there's actually two levels of a makif. One is how it's beyond, and how one how it encompasses. You can say I am base is really coming to explain those three reasons and going even further than that. We'll get back to that. How are you doing there? Okay. 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 Like a psagdin, a legal ruling that comes after the, a lengthy argument. And pilpul, what would be a pilpul? Lengthy, how would you translate pilpul? Uh, back and forth, inter-exchange, dialogue. Besfar is v'taymin, with theories and reasons. Huh? Within the, so within this legal ruling, the conclusion, concealed it has the entire lengthy dialogue and discussion about the matter. You only see the conclusion. But the conclusion came as a result of this whole lengthy discussion. Even though that while during you while you were struggling, you were busy in when they were busy comprehending the different arguments and different reasons and a pilpul back and forth, arguments and counter arguments. It was then it was it was still above any particular mida, any particular so called conclusive uh, inclination. Mida here means it doesn't necessarily mean only emotion. It means that, like, you know, you're leaning towards, Mida would be 
potter or chayev. Responsible or not responsible. Kosher or not kosher. Hainu apsagdim bepeel mamish, which is the actual legal ruling. Mekol mokim, hainu apsagdim yesh beelam kol arichas. So even though, two things. Now you're not focusing on the whole pilpul, all back and forth it has within it. Even though while you were busy, you didn't even come to a conclusion yet. So you could say it's two different entities. Here you're busy, a discussion, a dialogue that has nothing to do with the conclusion. But since the conclusion comes from there, and it's a result of that process, it has within it the whole arichas, the whole lengthy uh, discussion. Same thing as with an emotion that it has within it concealed the whole lengthy contemplation from which this emotion was derived, from which this emotion emerged. Then he adds in parentheses, And also, an additional point here, that midas, emotions that are driven by intellect, they're different, from natural emotions that are awakened and aroused, not through seichel, like we spoke about, let's say, the natural love to a child. That doesn't require contemplation. Has a gilias that's a revelation of the intellect in the emotions. This is the gilias of the meichel in the midas. That means that the mida in the emotion you can see and reveal the seichel, which is the midas sichlis. Means it's a mida that's driven by seichel, midas sichlis. He's just adding that we, we talk to, just to, to make the point when you talk about emotions that are not driven by intelligence. So obviously, they're not, they don't necessarily they're not driven by. They're not a, pro, a product of contemplation. When you're talking about midas that are, so within them they have the seichel within it. In addition to what he said till now, that they have concealed the whole process. He's saying that they also have a revealed element of seichel. Yeah. Yeah, you can say. Yeah, in other words, there is. Besides that, they have the whole concealed this process, even revealed. You see something you don't see in a in a in a, a super rational emotion. Super rational emotion, you're just seeing love for something. An emotion that came after a long contemplation has in it a certain type of, you can almost say discipline, a structure. Yeah. Like let's say you came to contemplate upon nature, and after a while you contemplate, you come to a deep appreciation of God, or, or the blessings you have in your life. It's a completely different type of emotion, that that feeling than a natural one that just comes. I'm hungry, or let's say the love that you have for your child. You know, the, it's controlled, and yeah, and one is not going to be one. Yeah. So bottom line is. All this is coming, he's saying, that you have to say that also in Midas, you have within, the, like he said before with Seichel, you have to say that also in Midas, you have the whole, the, the hidden. We'll, we'll soon see where he's going with this. Well, Beshas is bonus, Yashgam came his spilus, Amidas. And during the contemplation, you also have the excitement of emotion. Shahuin his spilus sichli. This is the excitement that's in the mind. And afterwards, when the emotion gets excited, it has within it also the mechin. He's just adding 
that there's a cl- there's a strong relationship between these two these two, these two steps. In other words, you can get excited with your mind, and then that excitement will translate into an excitement in your heart. He discussed this earlier at length. And one doesn't necessarily lead to the next, but, it's, but, but when it does lead to the next, so the midah has within it also this, the mind in it. There's a song that every divine contemplation has a, a distinct individual emotion that comes from this contemplation. And that's why during the contemplation it has in it a uh, the, uh, the, 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 the emotion has an excitement within the mind. Except when it's in the contemplation level stage, then the mind is dominant and revealed, and the emotion is concealed. And the time when the mida gets excited, it also has within it also the energy of the mind. However, now. The emotion is revealed and the intellect is concealed. I mean, this needs to be some elaboration to give examples in real life where you see this. He added now that every hasogelikis, every contemplation of the divine has in it an emotion that it will wake and awaken inside of us. What he means by that is, I'm assuming... that when you think about God in different ways... Everyone has an emotion, but there's, sometimes the focus is on the intellectual excitement, and the emotion is yet still concealed. And sometimes it's the other way around. Once and then, once the emotion emerges, the primary force is the excitement of the feeling, and the intellect within it is concealed. The whole contemplation part. You see, we we probably don't relate to this well because we very rarely spend our time developing such maturity. We don't have a mature. Most of us, we, we are instinctive human beings. We're impulsive. So most of our emotions are the, of the nature of midas tivim. We follow our hearts. And there's little aveda in working on your mind contemplating something and then turning it into emotion. We have mind contemplation, but we don't necessarily bring it into the emotion part. So when we say, We say, Today you shall know God. And then and then and you will return with your heart. We have a lot of the Yadaita, people learn, but the the heart part, the emotional part, which comes in davening, is less developed. That's why I think it's harder to relate to this. But when you think about people who work on working on themselves and they're really sitting in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, contemplating about the divine realities and getting excited about it, and that in turn comes an emotional excitement where they actually love that godliness and want to emotionally connect it as much as we love food or material desires that's what he's talking about here that's why this is very theoretical for anyone that doesn't experience it because that's what he's saying here right but you can at least underappreciate it by understanding that there are people you know we most if someone said what do you enjoy what are your emotions inclined to most of it will be material things you may say, I also like to learn chassidus. I like intellectual ideas. But it's also, a, I would say, a pretty superficial dimension of what we're talking about here. Here we're talking about someone who actually contemplates on divine element. That's exciting emotions. And you actually become a more refined 
you know, emotions, your desires become much more subtle. Because your desires are, like when they said, when the, when the Tsar soldiers, they, the Alter Rebbe, they saw that he has a deep passion inside of him. So they said, it looks like you have very deep love and passion for something. And they thought it was, psychologists thought it was uh, for uh, power, for leadership. It was Malchus, to be a king, which was they, that he's threatening, you know, he wants to be a leader. So he says, yes, his deep passion is for godliness, for Malchus of Ensof, for Malchus of Atsilas. In other words, that idea that a person should have a passionate burning desire, like someone has personal burning desire to be the president, or to be a leader, or to make money, that we don't find equivalent to that. We don't find people who, who have that same passion in something that's spiritual in quite the same way. That's what he's talking about here. But the point of all this being is that the midah that comes from such seichel has within it all the seichel. So even, except it's, the question is what's revealed and what's concealed. And the energy of the intellect that comes inside the motion, that's with, that's, that comes within the motion, is the is the life force, is the vitality of the motion. He's going now a step further. What's giving it vitality? It's not the chayes of the midah It's not the energy of the motion itself. It's the energy of the intellect that that contemplated on this idea, got excited about it. That's that's vitalizing, revitalizing, or energizing. The emotion. Because the energy of Amida on its own is a form is in a state of Hislavos. Slavos means like burning passion. Passion. So Midas on their own are in a form of passion. That, that's natural Midas. Midas that are driven by intelligence. Their energy comes from the from the intelligence. They're not driven by their own passions. In other words, they're being they're being redirected. Left on their own, a human being will have passion in whatever he has passion in. Using your mind redirects the passion of your heart, but it's being driven by the energy of the mind. The mind is driving it. Well, the vaza is the era mechnu b'chinas makif alamidus beis what? Chayis? I call it the vitality. Energy, yeah. No, it left Midas on their own. Their vitality and Slavos and passions. Passions that they want. The mind is redirecting. It's training the Midas. And therefore, the energy now of the Midas is being driven by the mind, not by its own desires. No, the Chayis is still there. The Midas is being he said the chayis, not the chayis mid of its own. It's not its own. It's the chayis of mind. The mind is really the driving force right now in the midah. He's going even deeper of how the midah has within it. All the mind is, is working there. You're talking about, again, something that the midahs, the human midahs that we have, regular passions, are not uh, familiar with that much. So, in addition, besides the fact that the moichin, the intelligence, is in the form of makif over the midas, form of encompasses them, basis palace amidas, while they're being, while they're excited, and this is the sensation of the divine energy that is comprehended. That that needs to be. During the awakening and the excitement of the emotions, 
So besides the fact that the intellect, wow, this is a real analysis of how the mind is. So besides the fact that the intellect hovers above and, so to speak, informs the emotions, he's saying the chayshub is possible, the excitement, the life energy, the vitality and the excitement of the midah itself is really the, the life and vitality of the comprehension of the divine. It's not its own life force. The Mida basically, the passion that the Mida would have been on its own would have that, that would, that would be generating. Here, it's almost like the mind is using the emotion to be excited. Because in, compre- in understanding and comprehension, in comprehension and in, and in contemplation, has in it an energy and a pleasure. And this energy is what radiates and is felt and sensed in the emotion. And the proof of this is proof of this because when the intelligence, the energy of the intelligence is completely concealed. And the only thing that remains is only the emotion. This is the idea of ill of all cause and effect. That the effect remains even after the flow of the, even after the cause is stopping its flow. Ein bochayis, it has no energy. Rakshi oz betekiv yeshu shazom etzadamid beetzem. The only thing it has is that it's more intense, and that's because of the midah on its own. I'm not sure what this means. Avochayis lo yeshba, but it does not have a life force. I have to look this up, what this means. And in order for there to be energy in this emotion, there has to be a renewal of the contemplation and the comprehension. I think what he's saying is the following. Since we're talking here now, a person's redirecting passions toward divine causes, okay? So its driving force is not the mid itself, because the mid itself has its own natural desires. So it's the mind. And the proof of that is, because take away the mind, take away the contemplation, all you're left with is the media, you're going to have the intensity of an emotion, but you're not going to have any life force. You won't, be, you don't, you don't, you won't feel, feel empty. In other words, after, after you contemplate and it awakens a divine emotion, unless you revitalize it, that emotion is going to go back to its own, to its own intentions. It may not, it may be disciplined, but... It doesn't have, for it to be revitalized, it needs to constantly be driven by the contemplation. The understanding. By the understanding. That's what he's saying here. That means that in the Midah, it has the revelation, the entire revelation of the intellect, but it's concealed in Behelem. The Midah has a revelation from the intellect, and Behelem, and concealed, and a concealed way, it has all the lengthy, the whole contemplation, but it's very much concealed. In parentheses, he has, because fundamentally they are two different entities. Not like cause and effect, like in the intellect itself. Like he spoke earlier, that it's from the transmitted to the recipient, because the outer level is also intelligence. And the inner part of the intelligence is not so concealed. He's saying that there's a distinction. It's not quite like he spoke earlier. When he spoke a teacher and a student, it's all intelligence. And the intelligence is either more, more of the outer level of intelligence or the inner level. 
Here you are talking about two fundamental different entities. And yet, in quantity, the quantity also is has a relationship. Again, we'll see where he's going with all of this. And also, that with the maturity of emotions, the, the, the intelligence radiates in it in a very revealed way. Okay. So now he's going even further into this whole subject. Till now he's speaking about how the emotion gets awakened by the intelligence. Now he's speaking about how the, the emotions get matured. They're trained and matured. Let me just elaborate a bit because this is something that may help. When we talk about maturity, for example, young children, does that need to be again stopped or is, that's fine? Um, when we talk about children turning into adults, so usually we think like, I mean, this is how we understand it. Children are born with minds and with hearts and emotions. They don't get later in some time in life a, uh, an infusion of a brain, a transfusion of a brain. But it develops. The mind begins to grow. As the mind begins to grow, the emotions become more in check, more tame, more refined. A little child, you can't expect a baby not to cry when it's hungry. It's supposed to cry. That's the way God wants it. doesn't want it to be thinking about it. The child is impulsive. A little older, more impu- less impulsive. As the mind begins to develop, what happens is the mind is beginning to train the emotions. However, let's be honest. Even when we mature into adults, we still have tantrums, except we conceal it. Because now it doesn't pass. It's just not, it, doesn't, it doesn't look right. But are we, have we really matured? Do the things that bother us, are they immature things that bother us? Or are they mature? Many of us are just chronologically mature. So we know enough to control our behavior. Even then we don't. You know, look at people with road rage. Get them under certain circumstances, you suddenly they turn into little babies. Many people are babies, but they just hide it. They conceal it. So emotions, it's true, the mind has grown to a point that it keeps it in check, but the emotions haven't really matured. Avoid the means, when you're working yourself, you actually begin to realize things that bothered you last year don't bother you now. You're not petty any longer. Because your mind has grown to appreciate important, more important things, so you don't get disturbed by things that would have been disturbed. Now, is the mind that actually trains the emotions and they become matured to the point where, where you know, if a little kid came over to you right now and started kicking and biting you, you're not going to get down on your arms and knees and, and, and your hands and knees and start kicking back. In most cases, I would assume. Why? Because you understand it's a child. But if an adult came over to you and did something equivalent, it may get to you very much, and you're not going to just take it lightly. I'm not getting now whether it's a legitimate. Insult or not, it's not the point. The point is the reaction. A mature person contemplates. Is actually they don't they don't get disturbed by what other, another person, the same age group, would get disturbed by, even though they both were affected by a certain reality. That's called aveda. We're basically taking is emotions are like raw. Uh, think of it, raw vegetation, raw flowers, weeds, weeds grow. The gardener, the mind, um, weeds the garden, tempers, and allows the flowers to emerge. So emotions are a very important part of our lives, maybe the most important part, but they are controlled by. They're not just, don't let the impulses of the emotions take control over you. What he's discussing here is the process of how the mind takes over. 
Not to compromise emotions, but to direct them, redirect them, mature them. So first he spoke about how the mind does this to the emotions in general. And then the excitement of the emotions is really driven by the mind. And it has within it everything, because it's coming from the mind. It's not just following its own inclinations. Now he's going further and saying, and therefore the emotions have within them all that you've contemplated. That whole maturity process is all there, except right now it's an emotion. So someone sees, for example, the kindness of a person who, let's say, was born not so kind, or not so, or very selfish. Now you look at this person, you say, look how he's giving to another human being, how he takes time, he's patient. And someone say, I remember him 10 years ago. The guy was the most selfish guy I know. So clearly, he worked on himself. So when you see the emotion of his giving, you don't see the process of the 10 years of his working on himself, but it's, but it's informing his emotion every second. Because it, 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 that's his teacher. Uh, however, the emotion now is so-called an effect, a cause and effect. So it's, it's following. And the truth is that if he doesn't have a, a continuous infusion of, intellect, of, of that contemplation, he may gravitate back. I mean, he could develop a new habit. Remember, he could be doing it by mechanically. But we're talking about an emotion, if you want it to, be vi- if you want it to have vitality. I mean, I've talked about this many times, about tshuva, about tshuva. Many people become mechanical Jews. Many people are born mechanical Jews. They're just following by rote. And even though there was a point where maybe somebody, I'm, not, I'm, I'm someone that's an FFB born, you could say they're always mechanical. But let's talk about someone who embraced it. There was a process why they embraced it. Whatever that process was. It may have been some needs that they had as well. I'm not saying it's all purely divine. But Pneumius for sure is divine. Then the process has shaped them, they rechanged their lives. I'm no longer going to live that life that I had, a reckless, selfish, narcissistic life. But they too can become mechanical. Because what you're doing now is, okay, now you've become, you've, you've, you've embraced it, and you're basing it on a memory, or on a commitment you made, which made sense at the time. And it may even make sense to you now, but you don't think about it much. But then your children ask you and say, one second, you know, are you, you know, you're just mechanical as anyone. The point being here is, that for it to have vitality, chayas. So you'll have a person like that will have emotions when it comes to eating or drinking or doing material things. There they don't need to uh, be trained. Because that's just the natural passions. But if you want the Yiddishkeit to be alive, you need to contemplate. You need to learn. You need to revive the energy, whatever caused that person to be to embrace it, the excitement. To have the excitement, the vitality, that requires the meichen there. So the meichen is really the driving engine behind these new, this new called channeled or disciplined emotions. However, it could be concealed. That's the point he really made here, the different levels he was speaking about, how it's concealed. Meichen is the mind. Meichen is the, the contemplation, really. The contemplation that brought you to this place. But you can then come to the place and then not return back to the contemplation. That's why he says there's no chayas then. So bottom line is these emotions are informed and contain within them the soul of the mind all the time, even if it's concealed. That's what he wants to really say. That that this whole idea, remember he began the chapter by saying that the light is the same light, except it's concealed. All you got to do is broaden the hole and you'll have the whole thing. That's where he's going with this. Now he's adding. Now he's saying, this, what I said, what he said till now was, 
where the mind has affected the motion. Now he's saying with the godless hamidus, as the midas mature, there also, there you see actually the meichen begili mamish, very revealed. And these are the emotions that come automatically, spontaneously from the mind. And this is the inner dimension of the Mechon that comes from the contemplation of the essential idea of God, divine concept. That the, the, the energy uh, extends, spreads, and radiates in a revealed way in the heart. He's talking about a new stage, a second stage. That now the emotions are no longer just being informed by and directed by here they're actually becoming spontaneous. You've trained them to a point where the emotions are actually expressing the mind's excitement and they become excited naturally as a result of... And this is not one that comes from murgish. It's not necessarily a sensation. It's, an, it's a much more, much more calmer, a much more uh, subtler type of excitement. Vuhinyan godless hamechen v'amidus. And this is the maturity of the mind and the emotions. Like it says elsewhere. The emotions in their mature state, they can have in them the revelation of the mind. So from all this we understand, from this we understand, that you can have the expansion of the emotions that they should have within them the revelation of intellect. Why is that? Because even when they were in a less mature state and they were being formed by the mind, they had in them a concealed way the entire intellect. In other words, he's saying that is similar to the student and the teacher, except here there's two entities. Student and the teacher, what do we say? Here's a beginner student, the teacher is teaching him. Within that teaching contains concentrated Ideas that the student will not understand until 40 years from now. But it's all there. So within it, he has it all. It's just a matter of quantity. It's a matter of time. There's no qualitative fundamental difference. He says, this works the same way. Even though they are two qualitative entities, but there's an element where the Meichen begins to impact the emotions and trains them to the point where the emotions mature, just like that student, and then when they get to mature, they have within them, they're actually... Emotion, they're, they're, they're completely different stages. They're mature emotions that were matured by a mind that trained them. So I said, most people die without ever reaching this state. Emotionally, they remain children. And their minds may have developed, but their minds have never really trained their heart and their emotions to grow to a mature stage. That's what he's saying. Most, this is emotional maturity. Real emotional maturity. Where not only you don't show your anger, you don't get angry. At something that, as an immature person, you would have gotten angry at. You have many examples for this, I'm sure. So, so for example, how you treat someone that is your enemy, so to speak. Or do you see them as your enemy? Or they see you as an enemy, but you're not, you don't feel them as an enemy. It doesn't mean that you're not naive. Maturity doesn't mean doing things that are destructive. Maturity means, questions how much it gets to you. How much does it consume your brain? Jealousy, getting vengeance, uh, you know, anger, and all that type. Those emotions.
the reason it's, he's elaborating so much, even though this was spoken before intellectual concept of Igulim, because what he's doing here is really giving us a very nice picture, a powerful picture of the structure. This is structure. Meichan Amidus, remember, is the fundamental imminent structure of existence. So understanding this is really understanding how the structure works. In Makif, all this doesn't happen. There is no relationship. Remember, Makif doesn't have desire, commands the body, the faculties. Here the faculties work with each other. So he's going back to the imminent discussion of imminence in a very specific way. So this is going to help us understand the whole idea of makif. So this isn't some digression. It is in the subject matter. But we'll get to it. I'm just I'm just pointing that out. What he's doing here is showing their intricate relationship between Meich and Amidus. Quantitative, qualitative I mean, I, I don't want to conclude until I see how he's going to go here with the makif, but that's what he's been doing here. Okay. So, so we see from this that they start with, through the expansion of the emotions, they can have the Gilead Mechim, because even when they were in their tiny stage, in their infancy, they had the meichen, the intellect, in a concealed way. Do we stop here or we continue? I'm going to finish the chapter. What time is it? Um, 10.40? Okay, you know, I might as well finish the chapter. I'll finish the chapter already. It should be uh, And the order of Aveda of a person's service, first you have to begin with the service of outer the outer intellect, and the outer emotions. That's the outer heart. Specifically through this, you come to the inner dimension of the heart. Talumis Halev, and also to the concealed dimensions of the heart, and that's the inner dimension of Bina, and the inner dimension of Chachma. And that's the union of the Lev, the heart understands, and an understanding heart, and a discerning heart, and the, and the Lev, and a heart that sees. Like it says, and my heart saw. In other words, the Seda Vedas, you begin from the bottom up. You begin from the bottom up, which is the chitzenius, and you grow. That's how you grow, until you come to the inner dimension that the heart sees. Mukols are moving the mila, and from all this, we understand above the gam b'pchinis er primei and the ribemet er ends b'pchinis is chalkos mamush. Now he's going back, and from all this, we see, we understand above that even imminent energy. It's not the quantity of the energy, the abundance and the diminish and the and the abs- the opposite of abundance is what diminishing, diminishment of the energy. That th- that's not the real distinction of the structure. That's not true structure. Mamish. Because in a concealed state, you also have within it. Because in the, in, I'm sorry, in the diminished energy you have within it concealed, also the abundance. Yeah. See what he's saying here. So from all this we see that 
Yeah. He's going back to what he said at the bottom of page 151. So he said there. Basically, he's saying that this whole discussion of how Moichen works, intelligence, teacher to student, or intelligence to emotions, or as he spoke before, Chachman Bina, how Chachman goes into Bina in the previous chapter, all this is quantitative shifts. It's quantitative shifts where even in a, in a diminished state, it has within it all the abundance. And that's not the real structure that defines the structure of the imminent world. It's how they interact with each other. But it's not their fundamental structure. Now, I would like to add, even though he doesn't say it specifically, that it seems to me, as I said earlier, that this also distinguishes it from Makifim. Because in Makifim, you don't have such an elaborate relationship of quantity. Remember, I said that before. I think that's what he also wants to add in all of this. Let me see how he spells it out right now. But bottom line, for sure what he's saying is that the fact that there is more or less revelation does not define structure. Structure is defined by fundamental different entities. And even in imminent energy, you can't really call it structure because it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of stages. Right now, Midas is on this level. that. But with time, it ha- within it is concealed all the energy from before. So therefore, that's not really what defines its structure. It's only then it's all one entity. The only difference is that one is more revealed and one is less revealed. And now he says, if that's the case, an imminent energy, and so much more so in Ermakiv that there's no distinction. So when we said before that Makif has no structure, and then we said there's ten spheres, the ten spheres is only their revelation. That's not the, that's not what defines structure. That's not what defines distinction. Because we just said even in Erpnimi, revealed and concealed is not what defines his chalkus. does not define hierarchy and, and distinction and structure. And now he's going to explain how much, why it's so much more so. And therefore, it's revelation, one level to the next, is only a, uh, it's more of an external element. It's not a schalkus thing. The eshlemer, because we can say, Because in imminent energy, when there's less energy, it's at least in a form of chalishus. That's what, that's, that, that's the second point. You see, it's chalishus, it's weakened. Let's first use the example he gave before. When you're teaching a beginner student, it's less energy, but it's also in a weakened state. So yes, you can say it's fundamentally the same personality. It has not changed qualitatively. But it's in a weakened state for sure. And I give an example. Like Let's talk about the tikkun. In the, tikkun. the world of Atsilus, tikkun is a diminishment of energy compared to toyu. In toyu, the energies are wild and passionate and excited. And they destroy each other. So what happens in Tikkun? This is something he's going to discuss later at length. There's an expression, You should always be as flexible like a reed 
and not as inflexible and as uh, rigid as a as a uh, cedar. So, what is what is referring to? It's referring to the emotional, by the way, uh, by the emotional maturity we spoke about before. That a child or somebody who's immature, I don't want to say a child, maybe a child is a different example. There's a certain obstinance. What what happens with refinement is you become more flexible, more yielding. She says, that's the That's weakened state. You become flexible. Rach, yielding rach is uh, soft or flexible like a reed. As it's known, the koshika is hard or inflexible and rigid like a cedar. And Rachakana and flexible like a reed. So Abkhin is Tayu and Tikkun. That's the two worlds of Tayu and Tikkun. The Batayu Shayriba Eru Kasha. In Tayu where there was an intense energy, it's strong, kosh, it's hard, it's inflexible, it's unyielding. Or Batikun Shanasa Miyu Ta'ir and Tikkun because the energy gets weakened, diminished, Hadubkin is Khlishus. It gets weaker. And Shazan Rachakana. So it doesn't have that same intensity, so it's far more flexible. Vagam shenadem legamri in parentheses he now says a long parentheses okay ten lines. Vagam shenadem legamri the betikun achlishus haydesha er bobchinus ischalkus protim. Even though you can't, you could say you can't compare it to our discussion here. Not at all. In a dem legamri, it's not completely similar. The betikun because in the world of tikun achlishus haydesha er bobchinus ischalkus protim. Because in tikun the weakness comes because the energy has come now into broken down into parts. Which means that every level is broken down into many details. And here, in our discussion that we're discussing here, we're not talking about a breakdown of details. Like the weakening of the emotions compared to the Meichen. Where the Meichen weakened the emotional passion, its natural passion. That comes specifically because only to the diminishing of energy, not because the mida itself, the emotion itself, has broken down the idea into many levels. Now, in order for there to be the distinction that the energy should be broken down into levels, specific levels, is hamiut. You need to have the diminishment in the general energy. This is the general weakening. That comes from the bitl. Causing the energy to be diminished. Uh, diminished. And through that can be a distinction. Same thing here in our discussion. The miyot is in a state of chlishus. He's just qualifying that in, in Tikkun there's more than just a weakening of a lower state. In Tikkun you actually have a, uh, a breakdown. Each sphere goes to its particular place. There's a skalos, the interconnectivity. But overall, whereas in our case we're just talking about the weakening itself. But, but the bottom line is he says it's still, there's still both elements in Tikkun. You need a diminishing of the energy and in that case it weakens it and allows it to become distinguished one level to the next. In our case, we're talking primarily about the diminishing. But the point is that it's all a matter of getting weakened. The energy does get weaker.
In other words, let me explain what I mean here. Midas can be uh, uh, immature midas. As our mind grows and we mature, the midas get the, the the mind is allowed to do its job. It will control the midas. It will first control them, subdue them. He's saying in tikkun, it's not just subduing of the energy of tayu. It's also there's a maturity where the midas, the, the spheres, are all know what they have to do now. It's like a higher level of maturity in tikkun than is than he's talking here about the midas. That's what he's basically saying. Here it's just the diminishing of them, the weakening of them. In tikkun, there's also that they are now they function they function in a uh, in a healthier way. The is the closest in your and the reason that Leah is being that the general Indian, the general entity of imminent energy is a form of Gili, a revelation. So therefore, when the revelation is is diminished, even though it has within it concealed the whole intensity of the energy, like he said earlier, nevertheless, is a very critical theme point here. Nevertheless, it's considered nechshav. You define it not by what it has concealed, but by what is revealed. You see, in imminent energy, we spoke at length, it's all about revelation. Because you want a structure. You want an existence that's not concealed. So it's true that there's an element that within the in the in this diminished concealment, there's all the hidden intensity. But bottom line is, in Erpnimi, what dominates is revelation. And revelation is, is diminished. Therefore, it's considered, we, con- we consider it going by the level of the gili. So we'll say a beginner student. We're not going to say a beginner student is potentially a scholar. You're a student right now. That's what you are. You have within you, you have all that's going to be revealed. So he's saying, in other words, that in addition to the fact, so even though in the imminent energy, quantity is also not what defines structure, but... But the fact is, revelation has also helps define the structure. And here, revelation is less revealed. Therefore, it has impact. For example, like, like the outer level of, of intellect. Meaning, means when you get something more superficially, on the initial stage of what you understand something. So even when the student is receiving only an outer dimension, even though within it it has the whole inner dimension of the intellect, nevertheless, in all its details, on, a, on an obvious ostensible level, it's like the level of what the teacher is conveying, what the student is receiving, or what the person is thinking about is all on the outer level. Yes, it's concealed within it, it's there. But all the details are right now all on this, dim- on this dimension, outer dimension. Because there's a major difference, a primary difference between inner intelligence and outer intelligence. In their extension and in their manifestation. Because inner intellect manifests, spreads, and manifests, extends, and radiates also in the heart. That means the essence of the intelligence itself radiates in the heart. However, in external intelligence, where the essence of the con- of the concept of the comprehension does not spread into the heart, and it's only a reflection. Not sure what he means by this. I guess he means that it's only the inner understanding of something that really transforms you. 
whereas uh, the outer is only superficial, so it doesn't yet really impact your feelings. And in general, what transmits to the heart is only the bechain, only the like the practical conclusion. Bechain means the result. Um, so what, what you know? What what do we have to do? The actionable result. Like it says elsewhere. And also, this is the spastus in their spreading. And also in their manifestation, the inner dimension of the mature mind, I'm sorry, of the inner mind manifests in the motions, that means in the maturity of the motions, that they become similar to the mind and they're not even felt, they're not even a, it's not even a sensation, it becomes just natural maturity. Not like you need an effort to stop yourself from getting angry. You're actually now mature. You don't get angry at it. You don't even need to think, right? And the outer level of meichin mislabish, their impact, the way they manifest the emotions, is in a form of yesh. You feel it, you know, because they have to command and say, "This is what we're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to feel." There's a sensation. So meaning, so even though. In the outer dimension of intelligence, there's also the inner, like he spoke at length. Nevertheless, in all its practical details, it's going according to the outer, like both in the spastus, meaning it doesn't really impact, impact the heart in its, in its way it extends itself, and the way it manifests, it's in a form of yesh. It's not in a deeper transformation that the inner mind achieves. And this is the weakness, the weakening, the weakening of the the weakness within the energy, being that because the revelation is now diminished. So it gets weakened in its spastus, in its spreading and in its manifestation. And similarly, it all goes according to the diminished state. However, in transcendent energy, even though different levels of transcendence manifest in, less, in lesser or more abundant ways, it's with the same intensity and same power as just like when there's the powerful energy. In other words, the desire, let's say, to throw a stone and the desire to contemplate in the most deepest philosophical ideas, the intensity of the desire is equal in both of them. The difference is in how much the faculty invests, but the intensity is there. So there's no quality, so quantity does not impact. So there's two distinctions that he's making. In Makif, the ten spheres of Makif, number one, our only quantity, and we've established quantity, even in imminent energy, is not fundamental structure. And number two, even in the quantity difference, makif, panimi, quantity is actual weakened state, and there is a qualitative difference. Whereas in makif, whereas in makif, there's no qualitative difference based on the quantity. So quantity does not define the quality. And even that, which it does define quality, it defines an imprimi, it defines some quality. And in Makif, it doesn't define it at all. Kitsu, let's do the Kitsu and we'll stop here. Kitsu, summary. V'zehu, and this is the Batsilis, Hagam Shemismayat Eir Madrega Madrega, 
And this is why not silos, even though the energy gets diminished from level to level. Nevertheless, there can be a expansion. Whereas for Atzilus Lebiyah, there cannot be, because it's a qualitative difference. That's that's what he means by the curtain. For Inyan, and the Inyan is Mishum de Bemiyot, Yashbay Behelam, Chinusaribay. And the reason for this is because in the meat and the diminished state, it concealed it has the, all, the, all the whole abundance. Like the outer dimension of intelligence that is transmitted to a recipient. It has within all the inner seichel within it. Intelligence. And also the emotions have within them also intelligence. Also when they become a... A, sense, a manifest, a, a emotional, a emotion that is sensed, sensed with sensation. And this is the energy of the emotion. And the maturity of emotions, you actually have the revelation of the mind. Meaning that there's no real distinction in truth. Even in imminent energy. We're talking about on the level of the quantity. But Kolsh came by Makif, and definitely in Er Makif, the transcendent energy. The Be'er Primi Amiyu to Pchinis Chlishus Er Alkaponim, because in imminent energy, the diminished state is at least a weakened state of energy. And that's why in all its manifestation, it's in a form of diminishment. And the Er Makif, and in transcendent, the Miyut, even in a diminished state, it's the same intensity as it is in the abundant state. Okay, we'll stop here. The chapter 81, page 152 through 155.